The University of Louisville empowers students with over 50 fully online degrees and certificates in areas like business, public health, social work, engineering, and more. Flexible coursework allows time to focus on all of life's priorities. Learn more at louisville.edu slash online. From the University of Louisville's Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning. And the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning. I am Kelvin Thompson. And I am Tom Cavanaugh. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. How are things? Got a cup of coffee. Got a hot off the presses print book. Got the Sage Handbook of Online Education came in the mail last night. How bad could things be? That is an impressive tome you just held up. For those who don't see that on video, trust me, like you could, you could like you know sit on that and see stuff. It's so big. <laughs> you could kill a bunch of flies. I mean, I don't know. You could do something with it. Yeah. I mean, uh, prop up a really badly wobbly table. I, yeah, it's beautiful though. <laughs> I, I, it's good to see the thing come come to fruition. And you know, I've seen the e text, but. Getting the, getting the print book in hand, it's like it feels substantial. Yeah, it's a real thing. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And to you. I mean, you've got, you got a chapter in there and a lot of people around the world. So, yeah, it's good. Actually, maybe this is not a bad time to be a, do a shameless plug. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, uh, we will be within uh, a short time period of a free online summit uh, slash book launch. So tune in for free. It's going to be like a whole day thing with speakers from around the world, uh, keynotes and panels, and it's going to be great. We'll put a link in the show notes. I don't have the link for you today, but it'll be in the show notes for this episode, scheduled for February 19th, 2024, and it'll go in three different global time zones. There'll be stuff going like for a long time. Yeah, that's cool. Kind of a real nice overview of the book and some of the topics that are in there, which uh, should be relevant to anybody listening to this podcast. Would hope so. Would hope so. Speaking of relevance, you got any um, relevant coffee in a beverage container? I have a beverage, but it's not coffee, but it is brown. I got a a protein shake going this afternoon, keeping me pumped up and awake. Um, so it's a little bit of a different choice, not really thematic, but hopefully it will improve my podcast performance. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, sure. That sounds healthy, maybe. My coffee today, Tom, is, uh, what we might call an old standby. You and I have shared it together before in the past. And it's been featured on the podcast multiple times. Uh, I don't think we've talked about it since before the pandemic, though. It is my go-to blend, Storyville coffee. We've had Storyville coffee before. So, as always, it's tasty, solid, dependable. Can you find a connection between my coffee and the topic du jour? Okay. Um, (laughs) Standby, reliable... Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say maybe it's a, it's a topic that, that you and I have uh, talked about many, many times uh, on mm-hmm. and off air. It's something that um, 
It never hurts to return to once in a while because it is sort of foundational to good online mm-hmm. learning. Um, so I don't know. Am I in the ballpark? Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and I don't know if everybody would agree with this, but maybe because of the re- emergency remote ad hoc instruction stuff during the height of the pandemic and, and attention shifts since then, maybe we don't do enough talking about this topic. So return to the before times and emphasizing this important topic. Do you want to tell people what it is we're talking about? Do I ever, Dr. Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> so as you sort of are implying, we're spending time today with a bread and butter aspect of online teaching. The good old student interaction, specifically everyone's favorite part of the course, online discussion. Um, Typically, when you say that, you think sort of threaded asynchronous discussion, but not Mm -hmm. always, not always. And so today's conversation is influenced by chapter 27 of that very book you just held up, The Sage Handbook of Online Higher Education. And the chapter's title is Facilitating Online Discussions by two of our friends and colleagues, Dr. Susan Wegman, who has been on this podcast more than once, mm-hmm. and our colleague, Dr. Amy Denoyles. So they co prob- that. Who we should probably have on the podcast. We probably should, yeah, on the list, right? We've got a long list of, of <laughs> want-to-gets, right. yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah, I, as I was saying to you before we hit record, um, obviously I, I got up close and personal with a number of the chapters in the, the handbook, but the ones that I wasn't, directly overseeing or co-writing, I just have sort of left alone until the book debuted. And so once I actually opened up chapter 27, I'm like, oh man, not surprisingly, this is good. This is some good stuff in here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's full of really good stuff. Yeah. No. So we're, for our listeners, look, we're not seeking to summarize the chapter or substitute for your reading of the chapter. Uh, there's much more in that chapter. We were talking about before, there's a lot in that chapter. A lot of good stuff that we'll be just skimming the surface of drawing upon. But here's another selfish, selfish plug. If you haven't already done so, go ask your library right now to purchase a copy of the Sage Handbook of Online Higher Education. So then you can read chapter 27 and all the other chapters as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's definitely worthwhile. And so we want to definitely give... Uh, Susan and Amy credit for their great work in this chapter. And it sort of inspired us to revisit mm-hmm. um, online discussions, which we haven't talked about in a, in a long time, have we? Mm-mm. No, which, as you say, it is bread and butter. It's foundational. But, I mean, real talk for a second. A lot of people are over online discussions, right? And you hear things like, oh, yeah, I, I did X." Y or Z thing, not online discussions. Or uh, please spare me from the uh, original post and two replies. I can't, you know, da, 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 da. oh, students don't like that. And what I love about Susan and Amy's chapter is that they really lean into what we know about assuring quality and expertly facilitating and designing and having a good outcome. They talk about other interactions as well, like you said, but they lean into, here's how you do it well. It isn't just fall off a turnip truck easy. No, it's intentional. And in fact, they sort of frame it with like, here's the stuff you have to do before, here's the stuff mm-hmm. you have to do during and kind of after mm-hmm. to, to ensure that, um, that you're going to have a good outcome. 
And um, I do think the online discussion gets a bit of a, a bad rap um, because it, it is not always done in the best way. I'm trying to be mm-hmm. kind. <laughs> yeah, um, right, right. You know, it, it right. becomes perfunctory. I've mm-hmm. seen it even in my own family with courses that people have mm-hmm. taken or uh, have heard stories. Never at UCF, of course, but <laughs> stories elsewhere of, of faculty that, you know, they, they turn it into a, a kind of an alternative essay writing thing, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily the best use of, of that format or it just becomes a, a kind of, like I said, this perfunctory thing that, that you're just checking a box and it isn't really facilitating the kind of discussion. And I get why people don't like it. And it's also why that chapter, I think, is so practical, so useful, because it actually gives you some real you know, tools, some real strategies that you can employ to make it, to make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is a great... Uh, contribution. Uh, so maybe we will talk a little bit about it. So as a backdrop, uh, maybe it's helpful to note without spending too much time here, that like a lot of s- online teaching scholars, um, Wegman and Denoyles lean into the community of inquiry framework, right? Uh, which is, gosh, been around for many a year uh, now and has continued to be updated and has provided a bit of a backbone in um, online teaching research. Um, so they use that as a backdrop and, uh, and connect student interaction and online discussions into, into that. Um, but that, by doing so, they really set a bit of a high bar for the nature of interaction, I would say, which not everyone shares that that high bar for interaction. Like, why is that? Just you said perfunctory. Is that just kind of a nice to have student interaction? Is it? Is it? A, is it a coat of paint? Is it a? Is it a little sizzle? Or is it? You know, is it substance? And I'm in the substance camp. I don't think it, it's a must have, not a nice to have, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it needs to serve a purpose, right? And if it's mm. not, if it's not accomplishing some course objective, then Mm-hmm. I get why maybe you don't need it. Like I've mm-hmm. I've heard the argument over the years. I'm teaching algebra. I don't need an online discussion. <laughs> and you know maybe that's true. Maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. You know there's not a lot of like controversy mm-hmm. <laughs> about algebra. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to turn it into a, a peer support, like hey, I have a question mm-hmm. on the homework mm-hmm. assignment. Who can help me? Like there are uses mm-hmm. for the online discussion that you can mm-hmm. make that do accomplish the goals of the course, even if it's not kind of a discussion-based topic or discipline mm-hmm. or subject. So yeah, I think I think there's a role to have, but it goes back to that word intentionality. Like what are you trying to accomplish mm-hmm. through the discussion, and um, and how do you how do you get there in the in the best way? Like a, another mm-hmm. example is. Um, I know we have some large classes here and some faculty have struggled mm-hmm. with how to manage just mm-hmm. the, the kind of logistics of um, a large class with a discussion. Right. Just a couple years ago, we were talking about uh, discussion enhancement platforms as one way of dealing with those really large online classes. Right. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there's only so much a human or a group of humans, including TAs or whoever, that they can do. Plus, it's really hard to make those 
large classes, when you have a discussion, meaningful. You know, it's easy to kind of lapse into the perfunctory when you've got a large number of students. But I think some of those tools allow you to, through AI and through peer review and upvoting and all the other kinds of kind of social media, you know, functions that, that are part of it, um, can make it a much, a much more meaningful experience, again, tied to what are the outcomes, what are the objectives that you have associated mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. with that activity. Yeah. Yeah, all that's right. Uh, so a couple other things uh, in the Wegman and Denoyles chapter, right? You, you mentioned they do like kind of a before, during, and after thing with good stuff in that. They talk about something that I think gets overlooked a lot, which is the importance of crafting discussion prompts. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, they, they talk about and then elaborate um, with substance. For instance... You, you want a prompt that is not too open-ended and not too closed-ended. You want to have something that gives a little bit of structure but doesn't um, define things so much that all you're going to get is like rote responses, you know, just kind of. Right. I, I, so I used to call those um, cul-de-sac questions because they lead nowhere. <laughs> Well, and I've seen back, this was a long time ago, but sort of back in the early days, I would see faculty that would um, ask yes or no questions mm-hmm. as a prompt in their discussion. And that's the worst thing you can do, because what is yeah. a student supposed to do with that? You know, it doesn't facilitate discussion. Yeah, there's a real that's art right. to, to prompt engineering, so to speak, uh, within, <laughs> so to speak. within online, online discussions. Yeah, that's right. One of the things that I kind of really loved about the Wegman Denoyles chapter in this book is they have a whole section in this chapter on what can go wrong. <laughs> they call it uh, issues and facilitation kind of generously and, and like here's an issue and then here's what you as the instructor facilitator can do about it. Um, like just as one little example, like what if you get a student or students who have like a just verbose, wordy, uh, response, just, you know, not adding value, just too much. And, you know, they, they talk about um, ways of doing like a private follow-up as the instructor and how you might go about that. I mean, that's great stuff, but that's just yeah. one of many things. They, they yeah. I mean, just again, not to sort of like take all of them, but just to kind of give you an example of some of the, the, the issues that they, that they touch on, you know, if a student gives a completely incorrect response, mm-hmm. if it's combative, um, mm-hmm. If the students are resistant, if they're non-participatory, what do you do about that? Mm-hmm. If it's too yep. wordy, you know, kind of as you as you said, um, and and uh, if they use language or images that are inappropriate mm-hmm. or upsetting mm-hmm. to other students in the class or mm-hmm. students who maybe dominate the conversation, that's that's always been the thing about online, especially asynchronous discussions, that has mm-hmm. been an advantage. It, it's it's the great equalizer, right? We've always said it's the shy kid in the back of the room who can never get a chance to raise his or her hand or get a, mm-hmm. get in on the conversation because it's being dominated by the people in the front of the room or whatever. It complete, completely democratizes it online. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got an equal voice. Everybody has an equal time. Um, but there are still students that can dominate, right? Even in mm-hmm. that space, um, it's a little different. And as a as an instructor, you need to be able to to know how to manage that and um, mm-hmm. and, and ensure everybody's got kind of a, an equal 
equal time and uh, contribution. Mm-hmm. And speaking of managing, like I, I love that they also talk a little bit about logistical parameters. We we talked, I think, earlier about there's a real artfulness to doing online asynchronous discussions well. And part of that is being attentive to all the stuff that goes behind it. You talked about before, during, and after is like broad framing, but um, like the why, not just what are the, what's the learning objective here? Like what's the aspect like you talked about, but also what would you say to a student about what's the point of you doing this thing? How do you say that in student friendly language? And if, if this particular online discussion needs prep work, like it's content based, like if you need to watch a thing or read a thing or experience a thing before you do this, you got to lay that out for people and due dates and assessment approach. They unpack all of that, which is really wonderful because you don't have to have lived it and done it wrong and been beaten up by it. <laughs> you can you can read their chapter. <laughs> yeah, Learn. yeah. I've heard some faculty talk about, you know, that, you know, it's the, you, you, you want to have a light touch, but you can't be absent, right, mm -hmm. in the discussion. Um, you, you want to make sure that you allow the conversation to happen, but don't let it go off the rails. Mm -hmm. And, you mm -hmm. know, that's, mm -hmm. that, that's not always easy to do, especially if mm -hmm. you've got a really, you know, energetic group of students that, that kind of want to run with a, I don't know, a current event or some... Mm -hmm topic that's politically controversial or something like that, you know, you, you can kind of run into some areas that are hard to manage. But, you know, one of the ways to help with that is with, and they mentioned this in, in the chapters, using a rubric to, mm. to evaluate how it's going. And mm -hmm. that, that becomes a nice objective way to kind of, you know, remind students of what's expected mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. In fact, they have this whole section on uh, gauging the effectiveness of discussion. And that that little section by itself, if you didn't read anything else, it would be worthwhile. Uh, so many, I would say, overlooked and wise principles wrapped up in that, including, you know, you know me, I, I love a good rubric. And they do talk about rubrics, but that's not all they talk about engaging effectiveness. Yeah, and they even sort of end it by... Um talking about synchronous discussion, which I'll admit mm -hmm. it's not something that I have a lot of experience with, at least online. All the online mm -hmm. courses I've taught have been asynchronous, mm -hmm. you know, I will confess. I, you know, I've taught synchronous in person, <laughs> but not uh, online. So uh, I know that's, a, that's an experience that a lot of people had during the pandemic, and it's sort of carried over now um, that we're no longer kind of all remote. Um, being able to facilitate effective fair, synchronous discussion is uh, online, uh, I think is a, is a new area for us. And mm -hmm. uh, I love the fact that they've got some guidelines for, based on, you know, research that mm -hmm. um, that can be helpful to people. Because I think there's so many people that are doing that now. And, and, and we haven't had, frankly, a lot of professional development to, to the extent like we've had with asynchronous instruction. Yeah, that's right. And, and you use the word research. It's worth saying, like, you know, we talked about uh, experience and practice and all that. But this chapter, like all the other ones in the Sage Handbook, balances like practical advice, but a scholarly literature base, right? So it's, as, as brilliant as Amy and Susan are, 
they didn't just make all this stuff up. I mean, they're drawing on a lot of scholarly literature and synthesizing that and packaging up for the benefit of the readers. So scholarship, I mean, maybe that's new for people too. You know, not a new field. We've been close to 30 years learning stuff about all of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I want to thank them for um, for that for that chapter. I think it's a real good contribution mm-hmm. to the to the discourse mm-hmm. and to you know people who are practitioners. So I think it will improve a lot of students' lives. Yeah, agreed. And, and maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll do this uh, as an occasional mini series, occasional theme. Maybe we'll pick another chapter out of there and springboard into a into a topic. Um, because there is so much, as uh, Safari Wambaleka said when he was a guest on here, the idea was to have a global 360 view of online education, and there's stuff in here that we can springboard off of. So maybe we'll uh, we'll do that again with another chapter. But for right now, you want to try to put this plane on the runway? Sure. So I think we all agree. Effective online teaching is a craft that requires practice. But there is so much scholarship to draw upon. Facilitating Mm -hmm. online discussions effectively is one of those areas of online teaching that needs both scholarly input and careful practice. And I think Mm -hmm. Chapter 27 of the SAGE Handbook by Amy Denoyles and Susan Wegman um, is a real uh, strong contribution in that. Well said. Yeah, I I agree. Great colleagues. uh, Read everything they write three times. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, it's been uh, lovely being with you, Tom, as always. Uh, look forward to a time that we'll uh, be sharing a cup of coffee out of the same thermos at some point again. But uh, it's good to do this virtually meanwhile. And uh, uh, thanks for uh, Susan and Amy for sharing, as you said, and producer Tim in the background. Um, you wouldn't know it, but we've had our share of little technical things. And I appreciate Tim all the more on those days. I blame the snowstorm. Uh, Yes, right. You got snow down there in Florida, do you, Tom? No, but somewhere between us and you, there probably is. (laughs) That's probably true. Lots of places in the country. Well, until next time for TopCast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya.